All right, Hot Crits Podcast, episode 117. I'm Travis Jadon. With me, as always, Spencer Maddox. We are recording on Memorial Day uh, for season six, episode 17 of Hot Crits Podcast. Coach's Corner, you guys know him, you love him. Our title sponsor here on HGP and the number one sports bar in Savannah. Go see the owner, John Henderson. Go tell your bartender or server that we sent you, and they'll hook it up for you on that final tab. Coach's Corner, 3016 East Victory Drive, 912-352-2933 if you want to call ahead. Uh, daily lunch specials, obviously drinks nonstop, sports nonstop over there at Coach's Corner on 3016 East Victory Drive, www.coaches.net. Um, and then find them on Facebook as well as the other Coach's Corner Sports Network shows. That is... Um, let's see, Rubbin' and Grubbin', Brandon Bain, our guy NASCAR. Uh, he'll be talking, I'm sure, about the Indianapolis 500 uh, and the Coca-Cola 600, I believe, from this past week. He'll be talking about that Wednesday night on the Coach's Corner Facebook page, 6 p.m. Carl Demasi and Kyle Lawson, who is on First Base Baseball Podcast. You can find that anywhere you stream your podcasts um, and also on the Facebook Coach's Corner Facebook page. And then Carl doing his local show on Saturday mornings and Wednesday nights. You guys know the deal with him. You got to love it. So go see Coach, go to Coach's Corner today to watch whatever sports you need to watch and check out the other shows on the network. All right, let's get after it for our 117th time Hot Grits Podcast. Ain't nobody gonna this your boy I've always kind of believed in aliens. I don't know if I believe in flying saucers. You might as well just walk up to Cupid while he's on his lunch break, you know, cranking heat or something. Yeah. Him right in the face. Punch a little baby right in. We'll see that. We're almost uh, three minutes into our sports podcast and yet to bring up not one sport. All right, let's go. Episode 117, Hawk Ritz Podcast. Uh, Spencer Maddox coming to you guys live from Tybee Island, Georgia, I believe. Spencer, how are you living? No, I'm I'm back in Savannah now. Okay, All update good. the folks, dude. What, so, what was your what was the Memorial Day weekend like? Well, I just uh, uh, I, I hung out I hung out with the family at Savannah Quarters Pool yesterday, and then drove out to Tybee. Went out there last night, so I watched bits and pieces of Game Seven while just shoveling crab and shrimp into my face, dude. Um, and we went out to a few bars, obviously went to the beach today, but now I'm back home, dude, locked in. Um, we're going to talk about game seven. Yeah. What was your Memorial Day first though? Like, come on. What'd you say? What was your Memorial Day though? Like this took a bit of planning to get this podcast done today. We had to like sandwich this in between, you know, a lot of stuff. So what, what were your plans? Yeah, you're right. We should pat ourselves on the back. Yeah. I'm patting myself on the back right now, um, and it hurts because I'm sunburned. I also went to the pool yesterday with the family. Um, discussed, uh, I discussed some of my choices for the top four draft coming later in this episode uh, with some family members. Worst movies all time. Um, so I, I crowdsourced some of my picks there. Um, that was fun. I also watched Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals on Sunday night. You said that you watched some of it. Uh, I watched this. I'm, I'm going to have to watch the game after we get done. So that's, um, to me, that's remarkable. Yeah. How, how do you... Well, I just did not care about the result all that much because, I mean, like like I've said, I had I had bets on both these teams. So I was just like, I, I it really felt like I had no dog in the fight at this point. Right. But I am, I'm, I'm going to watch it as a 
basketball fan. Like I want to see it, but I didn't yeah. care to see it live. Like you have all sides covered uh, with yeah. your future with your future bets. Gotta love it. Um, I had a lot of people reach out after last episode, uh, worried about my hairline and worried about my hair. Um, so I feel like I need to update people <laughs> on that. Um, it has gotten better. I think my hair listened to me freaking out on the last episode. Um, and I don't think it's as bad this week. So maybe you were just stressing me out last week. And that's why I was that might have been it. You think that was it? I was stressed because because uh, of the top four. <laughs> was it top four animated character TV show characters? Well, you were probably so worried. You thought I had COVID. You didn't want me to go anywhere. So, Oh, that was it. That was it. Yeah. Who would carry this podcast if I wasn't around, you know? Good point. That's what a lot of people say. That's what a lot yep. of people say. Uh, the Celtics are back in the NBA Finals. All is right, Spencer. Congratulations. Um, you. You, thank, you, thank you. Thank you. Thank um, you. I'm a critical part of this Boston Celtics basketball team. I think a lot of people agree with that. Uh, I think most people know that I never doubted the Celtics in the series, just like I never doubted them in the Buck series. Um, Kyle Lowry is still a chubby piece of shit, and I hate Kyle Lowry so much. Spencer, last night I was so happy for the, the entire game, game seven, Sunday night. And then the last three minutes was so agonizing and painful. The Celtics go from being up 13 points to this is, this is a three-point game with a minute to go and Jimmy Butler has an open look to, to make it a one point game. And the Celtics could possibly blow the series after being up three, two, but then also blow a 13 point lead with three minutes to go. It was yeah, agonizing. Absolutely. It was so painful, but I'm so pumped that they're back in the finals. I almost don't care right now what the result is of the NBA finals. I'm sure I will when, when they yeah. start on Thursday. Well, dude, but, you gotta, you just gotta soak that in for a little bit, right? Yeah. Like, you're you're gonna see your team play in the NBA Finals. Like no matter what, that's a thing. Yeah, so it's a and success- I just it's also a weeks. successful season, no matter what. Like win or lose. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And also being a North Carolina fan too. Like early early talking point is this is Ime Udoka's run to the finals with the Celtics in his first year coaching better or more impressive than what Hubert Davis did his first year at North Carolina. I mean, they're both underdogs. For sure. Right. Neither um, team was expected to be there. Both were terrible to start the year. The Celtics were 18 and 21 in January. They're 18 and 21. Wild, dude. They caught we were fire, though. whether they were better than the Hawks or not. That was a real talking yeah. point at, at some yeah. point during the podcast. No, it's been a crazy year for the NBA in general. Like with the Nets starting off so hot and being the number one seed and then being in the play in, uh, like, Chicago being the number one seed for a while and then falling off. Um, it was just a weird year in the East. Um, like all that, all that drama with Ben Simmons and James Harden. And in the end, just none of it mattered. You know what I mean? Like neither one of them were in it. And somehow Boston found their way to the finals. Wild ride, dude. Um, I will say you sent me the betting odds yesterday for the series that had Golden State as like a minuscule favorite, dude. Did that surprise you at all? Like, how are you feeling going in? Yeah, so I so when I sent it to you, I think it was series odds plus Celtics plus one twenty. Yeah, uh, which was which was very surprising to me. I thought it was going to be more like one seventy, one eighty, plus one seventy, plus one eighty. Um, and, and I really thought Golden State was going to be a heavy favorite. 
Okay. See, I didn't fair. think that just because the Celtics are like not to be too cliche, they are a good matchup. I mean, they're a yeah. bad matchup for the Warriors in terms of like what most of the rest of the NBA offers. Uh, the Celtics, I would think, are the worst possible matchup on the board. I mean, I would think that's not even like if Golden State was able to pick who it wanted out of the East. I would think Boston would be near the bottom of that list, at the very bottom of the list. Right. Um, can I drop a stat on you? Yeah, hit me with it. Since Steve Kerr took over in Golden State, there is one team in the NBA with a winning record against the Warriors. The they Boston the, Celtics. They are these Boston Celtics, my friend. Really? What do you think about that? That's incredibly interesting. Probably a little anecdotal. Um, <laughs> one's in the West, one's in the East. Like They don't play all that often. Probably um, a little anecdotal, yeah. A little. Extremely anecdotal. Um, but that is an interesting stat, and that's You're something welcome. they can use. You know what I mean? A little bulletin board material. Um, I got to say, I'm picking Golden State. I'm def- I definitely want Boston to win, though, for sure. Um, huh. I'm going to be pulling for Boston, and I'm a Steph guy. But I make, like, very, very little money. I basically make my money back for all the bets that I placed – on the year if Golden State wins, whereas I make a good chunk of change if Boston wins. So yeah, I plan, I plan on sprinkling coin during this series uh, here and there, but it's I don't think I'm going to do any bets on the actual series as a whole. Um, and, and I will say this, like, I don't know. I don't see any scenario in which the Celtics win game one because everything I see says if you play a game seven, to win a series and you win that series and the team that you face the next series does not have to play seven games in their prior series. Right. Uh, then you lose game one a lot, way, way over 50% of the time. Okay. That's not taking into account playing in golden state. That's not taking into account already being an underdog, you know, on a neutral court against golden state. And the Celtics have played back to back seven game series, not just one seven game series. They're I mean, both, they're both uh, two seeds. Who's the overall seed? Who who is? It would be Golden State's home court, right? Yeah, yeah. Because the series starts Thursday night in in San Francisco. So, wait, are they in Oakland or San Francisco? San Francisco. Excuse me. Okay. Yeah, the Chase Center's in San Francisco, the Greater Bay Area, as they call it. Yeah, we're about to make it the Lesser Bay Area. What do you think about that? I like it. I like it. I don't even know if they call it the Greater Bay Area, though. (laughs) I just rolled through that. I knew what I was talking about. Why did I believe you? Why did I just automatically accept that? Confidence, dog. (laughs) Confidence. Oh, man. Let's let's pick a winner, pick the amount of games, um, and pick a finals MVP for me quickly. Um, We're not going to spend time breaking down Warriors versus Celtics. Too, too much. Um, no, no, no. I don't ma- want to break it down X's and O's, but I have yeah. – um, I just wrote down some storylines on the doc. All right. All right. Yeah, are, hit me Because I don't want to do – and you know what we're going to hear all week just quickly? Like, uh, who's going to guard this guy? What's this matchup going to be? What's this matchup going to – that shit doesn't matter when you play the Warriors, bro. You're not going to yeah. – those matchups aren't going to happen. Your four is not going to guard the four. Your one is not going to – like that's not gonna happen. Steph Curry changes all of that, and then you add Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green is, you know, a unicorn. 
in today's NBA. Like nobody is like him. Um, so I don't want to do that, but I will throw out a couple storylines. Marcus Smart, I think, won the won the series over Kyle Lowry last series, but Kyle Lowry definitely showed that he is still the the alpha shithead in that matchup. You know, right. like in terms of guys that you hate if you, if they're not on your team, but you love if they are on your team. Yeah. No, no, no Marcus Marcus Smart is now possibly going to play the goat in that conversation, the greatest of all time. Can I just say and Draymond Green, right? Like, I don't, I don't hate Marcus Smart as a Hawks fan. I hate Kyle Lowry from like the bottom of my being, dude. And we play Boston just as much as we play my Earth for the most part. Not, not, not just as much because Miami's in our division. But we play Boston plenty during the year, and I'm never like, man, fuck this Marcus Smart guy. I think almost everyone hates Kyle Lowry, dude. The flopping, dude, Kyle Lowry the, is the so. Taking, yeah, he's such a piece of shit, dude. He's flopping, yeah. always complaining. And the fact that he's chubby is yeah. just the worst. Extremely hateable. And, d- dude, uh, uh, this goes back a long way with Atlanta fans in particular. But he was placed on Trey's second year. He was starting the All-Star game. And Kyle Lowry got all the minutes. And we were we were all pissed. Like, bro, we finally got a guy in the All-Star game. He's a stud. And he got, like, 10 minutes in the game. And they were playing this Kyle Lowry, dude who's just taking charges. Of course he was taking charges in an all-star game way back then. Oh, what a uh, dickbag move. Yeah, it, it was just lame, and we've never forgotten it. So, that, like, we still hate him. And then, of course, he eliminated us this year. So, fuck that guy, and I'm glad he's in Cancun. Speaking of Trey Young, did you see what Jalen Rose did for his third I team? I did not. So oh, the, oh, yeah, he left him off his – oh, yeah, dude. He put Kyrie oh, Irving as the third team point guard, and then he said that was a mistake, he, that he shouldn't have done it. Yeah, Jalen Rose is also amongst the worst basketball analysts on the Four Letter Network, if you ask me. Um, great player, uh, especially in college. Good pro. Uh, terrible at his job. And the worst thing about Jalen Rose is, dude, he thinks he's super intelligent. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 you're right. I don't mind him so much, but like, you, you have to take him for what he's worth. They prop him up as if he's like – this pure like if you're talking about X's and O's, ESPN, NBA basketball, give me Tim Legler over any of those guys. Oh yeah, sure. because oh, yeah. He, he actually knows what he's talking about. And he spends time. Oh, Jay Billis. Yeah, I mean, I'll go to Jay Billis for college hoops, but yeah. Oh, Tim Legler's the man. Uh, yeah, but he can. If you know basketball, you know basketball. But Jalen Rose, as long as he's spent around the game says some of the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my entire life. And I'll I'll stand on that hill, bro. All good. If he wants to fight, we can fight over that. But I'm get, we're getting a little off track here. Um, so who cares? I'm going to go ahead and say – I'm going to go ahead and say Golden State in six. I feel like that's the softest take ever, but Golden State in six. All right, give me Boston in seven. And I want to say Boston in six, but I have to concede game one. So Boston in seven – um, and I think, really? yeah, I really do. I really, I'm more confident about them beating the Warriors than I, than I was about them beating Milwaukee or Miami. I really, I really am. Wow. Dead honest about that. Just because of the matchup or like, do you think they have more talent than the Warriors? No, no, I don't. But I think over a seven game series. So like I, I also wrote down some notes to future Trav just to calm myself down ahead of time. Um, like there will be a game and there will be stretches and moments where Steph Curry is legitimately 
unstoppable and where, yeah. I mean, and where he's literally like just relentless and carries them probably at least to at least one win, but there's going to be long stretches and moments like that. But for me, it's that if the Celtics were able to plan and game plan and look against the Bucks and the Heat, they pretty much got and did what they wanted to do defensively. Right. I mean, if you think about it, like they allow, like Giannis got his 40 point games. Jimmy Butler got his 40 point games. The Celtics won both of those series and they pretty much did exactly what they said they wanted to do going in. If they can do that against the Warriors, I like to having two. I like, I would take Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown over Steph Curry and any other one player on the Warriors. I really would. Like I would take Steph Curry over any individual player on the Celtics, obviously, but yeah, I, I think the Celtics one through three are better, or maybe one one and two are better than the Warriors are one and two. I I don't blame you for thinking that way, but the the quality up and down the roster is I don't want to say remarkable, but this is a deeper championship team than pretty much any of the past ones I can think of. It's deeper than a Phoenix last year, which was like pretty notably talented on the bench as well. Um, all the other Golden State teams of the past weren't this deep. Like they had some solid contributors on the bench. Um, Iguodala, Sean Livingston jumped to mind. Um, even Leandro Barbosa back in the day, like on that 2015 team. Ooh, that's yeah. a nice name drop, Barbosa. But these guys, I mean, assuming some semblance of health, like if uh, Otto Porter Jr. is playing, uh, if Gary Payton Jr. is playing, or second, eh. whatever you go, or the third. Um, I don't know that it's going to matter, dude, when you get that deep down the bench. Remember, there's only one time in this whole series where there's not at least two days off. So between, right. between game three and four, there's only one day off. Uh, other than that, there's going to be rest. I don't think these teams are going to have to go as deep as they've had to go, especially the Celtics. They're still going to go. They're still going to go eight deep. They always do, at least eight deep. Sometimes you mean, nine. You mean Golden State? Both both teams are going to go eight deep. I don't think that the Celtics are going to have the problems with Robert Williams and Marcus Smart injury wise to have to worry about possibly using Aaron Neesmith or Daniel Tice or any of those guys, and even Peyton Pritchard to an extent. Danny Tice is going to get minutes in this series, and I know Ooh. that hurts your heart, but he's going to get minutes, bro. I don't mind Dan Tice, dude. I really don't mind Dan Tice. It's my you old man to- that hates him. Oh, it's your pops. That's right. He's yeah, going to he, get burnt. But he calls him Theus every time. <laughs> he always makes fun of his hands. He's he's going to get a little burned, dude. And, I mean, it's even if it's just to give him a breather, you just can't play those guys that long. They will get you know burned out. But I'm not even just the quality on the bench. It's it's just everything they do seems to gel together perfectly. Like uh, the their connective pieces just fit so well. And maybe not on the defensive end. Granted, uh, Jordan Poole is definitely a target, and uh, like I'll, I want to see how Boston handles that if they like attack mismatches as much. Um, but again, Steph's been a better defensive player this year, like much much better. Um, so I'm really looking forward to the series. Thank God it's Golden State and Boston. I feel like that's a much more entertaining series in my mind. Um, oh, but, I, me too. I think this one's going to do ratings, and I think it's going to do really well. I think so too. I mean, yeah, unless unless it's like unless Golden State. I think if Golden State, you know, trounces them, 
and gets out to like a three one lead, then it, I don't see right a lot of people giving the Celtics a shot. Um, what about this storyline? Uh, would Boston have if Boston were to win this series and win the NBA Finals, they would have beaten Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Miami, and Golden State in route to an NBA title. Would that be the best ever? playoff resume for an NBA champion I think it would be the best of all time I mean I'd have to see some other ones it's it nobody could beat that because Brooklyn the preseason favorite Milwaukee the reigning champs Miami um, twice has been the Eastern Conference champs uh, in the last two years they beat Boston in the bubble to go to the finals Um, and then you're talking about Golden State potentially the team of our generation who has been in the finals six of the last eight years can I tell you one that jumps out to me yeah. Immediately. Yeah. Um, well, firstly, Toronto from a few years ago, uh, beating uh, Philly, um, obviously beating Golden State with Kevin Durant, although he did go out in that series, uh, a couple other people. But the Mavericks in 2011, when they beat LeBron and Miami, uh, also beat Kobe Bryant. Like, no, oh, I think the- they swept Kobe Bryant, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember who else they played. No, uh, the Mavs. But, yeah, the Mavs. What's that, 2011? Yeah. Yeah, that's getting – I'm writing that down. I'll look that up later. 2011 Mavs. That was dude, say, that was just 100% Dirk. Yeah. Like I want to say it was J.J. Barea. Well, I mean, he gets a lot of play there. It was a bunch of role players, bro. I know. Of course, I read an article the other day that – that's how the maps are going to build around Luca the same way that you do. Fuck off, man. Blah, 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 blah. blah. Um, all right. What, uh, what about this storyline? Uh, a fourth NBA title. What does this do for Steph's legacy in terms of top 10 all time, top 12 all time, top eight all, all time, top five all time? A fourth NBA title puts him now, think about it, like that would put him equal to Shaq. Shaquille O'Neal, that puts him one short of Magic Johnson, one short of Kobe Bryant. Right. If Steph gets a fourth NBA title, he will have two with Kevin Durant. He'll have one before Kevin Durant and one after Kevin Durant. Like this for Steph's legacy is the biggest series he's ever played in his life. I don't even think that's close. And if he gets a if he gets a finals MVP and gets that monkey off his back, it's he's gonna be launched into top ten, like sneaking up on top five. Gotta. He's got to. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think if even a- if they lose this series, like, you know, if they get sw- if the Warriors were to get swept, that's another thing. But if they lose in seven, the Warriors, like, the Celtics, this Celtics team is definitely good enough to, to not it, – it'll be about Jason Tatum and the Celtics winning. It won't be about Steph Curry not being able to get it done. They're de- the Celtics are good enough to not be a, just a blip on the radar. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're just slight no. underdogs. Like history won't look back and say that Steph blew it. No, I, I mean, and he's got too much pedigree in the past. Like, yeah, there's sure. there's some like examples of him not performing well in specific games, but he's just done it too much at this point. Like, so where nobody, is Steph in your top? Like, is Steph Curry in your not your favorite? Is he in your top eight all time? Top twelve? Right now, he's top right, 10. Right now. Right now, he's at the bottom back of top 10. He's going to be top five. Though. And where, where, where is Shaquille I, I also O'Neal think in, that, in, that, in your rankings? Where's who? Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille's a better player at this point, just legacy-wise. But I that's would, what I, I mean. Probably, like, 
if he, if Steph wins this one, like then that can legitimately like start five. happening. Yeah, I think Shaquille's close to top five, but also like some of the legacy players, I kind of tend to leave off, like people like Wilt Chamberlain stuff like that. I, right. I leave out of. I mostly go, you know, modern era. Try to it's just not fair to compare those people. Um, from like Magic Johnson on, I would say. Uh, but I per I personally think don't crucify me out there. A lot of old school NBA people get really upset when you say this, but I personally think he's the greatest point guard of all time. I think he's already passed Magic Johnson. Um, he's Steph well, freaking Curry. You're, well, you're crazy. Well, he has. He has. He has sorry, passed Magic scored Johnson. 18, no, he scored no, he 18 hasn't. points a game, bro. He scored 18 points a game. I've watched I, all those videos. I know he was awesome. I know he was awesome. He did the baby hook. He's got a bunch of title wins. It was 18 points a game. We're talking about Steph Curry. Nobody can guard him. He, the, the second he steps over half court, it's over with. There, there was a point in 2016 where people were, like analytics people, were seriously questioning if he was better than Michael Jordan. People were bringing that up. And Magic Johnson never got that play. The peak of Magic Johnson was never as high no, as Steph you're Curry. you're doing this thing where you're, comp- you're, you're not – that's not fair. You can't compare, like, who is the better player in terms of their numbers, at, like, averaged per game a night. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about the rankings of the greatest players of all time. Nobody has Steph Curry over Magic Johnson. Nobody. They should. I'm down – I'm totally fine with being the contrarian there. I am. I but, also think but it's I'm not like, fair to say like if I don't have Steph over Magic Johnson right now, that's still I think a fair and reasonable take. And then sure. also if I want to move Steph over Magic after if he gets to four or if he equals him and gets to five, that's also fair. Like you, it's adjustable. But to say he's above him now is like, well then what what are we doing? Like, what's the point of valuing championships if it if just personally think Magic's probably a little high on that list personally on most people's list. I've got him as a top ten player. Um, I think he's a little bit high to have him top five. To me, is a little bit crazy. Uh, the guy didn't even average twenty points a game for his career. I mean, come on, come on. Uh, I I know he was on some very good teams. I know he was the best player on a lot of good teams. But any other person other than Magic Johnson, would not get that leeway. So, miss me with that. Well, yeah, I think he's a very, very good player. I think he is slightly overrated, and I've said my piece on it, and I've, I've got the analytics to back it up, dog, I promise. But uh, that's, that's I a mean, yellow. That's a yellow light take. That's a pending take. Yo, from, like, from most people have him at like three or five. I have him at ten. That's Magic okay. Johnson all time? Yeah, I have yeah, him at three, ten. Three to five is too high for me. That's too high, bro. That's too high. Um, I think right. Larry Bird's better, bro. I do. I'm, I'll go out and say it. I think Larry Bird's better. Go so ahead. Why? So do I. And Larry Bird. All right. Also a lot of people don't. He's also better than Steph Curry. Yeah, Larry Bird is. Magic Johnson's not. That's um. All right. Well, I think that's it for the NBA Finals for me. Game one Thursday night. Go watch it at Coach's Corner. Um, East Coast versus West Coast. So that's yeah, we just got it. Yeah. What'd you say? I said we just got it in on some NBA. Almost 25 minutes there on the beat. Yeah, you got damn right, Bill. Hell yeah.
All right, I want to tell you guys about a new sponsor we have for the Hot Grits podcast. It's Avalu Hemp Shop, Savannah's newest hemp shop at 106 West Gwinnett Street. Open seven days a week. Avalu Hemp is Georgia-grown, Georgia-owned, started in Gainesville. Uh, I know the owners pretty well. Henry and Michael and, and those guys have come down from Gainesville and opened their hemp shop by Forsyth Park. You can find it at 106 West Gwinnett Street, seven days a week at Avalu Savannah on Instagram. That's A-V-A-L-O-O Savannah on Instagram. Avalu has Georgia-grown hemp products, including CBD, Delta 8, gummies, edibles, flour, even dog treats. I've tried some of those gummies and they are no joke. So check them out. Avalu Hemp Shop, 106 West Gwinnett Street and at Avalu Savannah on Instagram. Uh, if you go, tell them the Hot Grits podcast sent you and they will hook it up for you. Avalu Savannah, Savannah's newest hemp shop. The Prep Sports Report has been delivering local sports news one way or another for 20 plus years. Where can you find stories and information about the most outstanding student athletes in the Savannah area? PrepSportsReport.com. That's where. Led by our guy Carl DeMossi and former area sports reporter Stephen Weeks, the Prep Sports Report is a reimagined website that wants to celebrate young men and women who are setting the high school sports standard in Savannah and surrounding areas. Go check out PrepSportsReport.com today. Go like Prep Sports Report on Facebook and follow them on Twitter at PrepSAV. PrepSportsReport.com, your number one source for local Savannah High School sports news. Um, all right, baseball. You want to talk some Braves and Major League Baseball? Let's go, baby. Hey, ever since we ever since we last recorded, dude. What? You know what I'm going to say? Uh, young Handsome? Young Handsome, baby. He's been heating up, baby. I think he's got Austin three. Riley is heating up. I think he's got three multi-hit games over the past six. I want to say three home runs over the past six. Yep. We I think a lot of it has to do with uh, the rest of the lineup also just coming around. It's like we said, like a lot of dudes aren't hitting 400 over the last two weeks, but they're starting to hit 290 and 300 yeah. over over 15 day sample sizes. Yeah. That's Marcelo Zuna starting to come around. Ozzy Albies is all the way up to 250 now. Batting average, he's coming around. Uh, Dansby Swanson, Spencer, leads the Braves in batting average. How crazy is that? He leads the, he leads all Braves qualifiers, I should say. Not like So guys like Ronald Acuna don't qualify yet. But Dansby Swanson hitting almost 270 after a horrid start. He's been on fire since I cut my hair. So uh, flowers to me for that. Um, they're still 23 and 25. Uh, last week, Spencer... We had four games coming up with the Phillies and three with the Marlins. I said the Braves would split with the Phillies and take two of three. I said they would go four and three. That's exactly what happened. They went four and three. Um, they are eight. Yeah, it's not, I mean, it's not bad, but it's just like, you know, they're starting to play better, but they're still eight and a half back of the Mets who are rolling right now. Um, the Braves are heading out west to play Arizona to start this week. Um, so... Where do you want to start? I have a couple things written down um, that we can start with, or you can tell me how you feel about the Bravos. Well, uh, I'll go with the Mets if you want, dude. They, mm -hmm. I'll believe that they will have a winning season and like a 
playoff contention season when I see it. So I'm not I. The Braves making the playoffs isn't based on the Mets on like overtaking the Mets. I just believe the Mets are going to fall off at some point. I've got no evidence of that, but something is going to happen. We know it. You know it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's history. There's precedent to back that up for sure. Especially when I think I don't know, like the underlying things that were happening last year in New York as far as what's going, what was going on with their general manager. Remember all that stuff with, like, he was sending, like, dick pics and stuff? Yeah, that was weird. And so that happened, like, two weeks into the year. Louis Rojas, their manager, was on the hot seat from the very beginning. They fired him, like, a day after the season ended. So, well, I mean, it's, the whole year it's you're still early, away. dude. Like, they've got, a, they've got time. Wait, they've got time is it still early, though? Most yeah. people say June 1st. That's when you can look at the standings. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can look at the standings, but it's still early in terms of, like, off-the-field shit show. Like, okay. They've got plenty of time. And last time I checked, they have a they have a GM, and normally this stuff comes out when you're in first place. You know what I mean? Just shine a little bit of spotlight at you, and that's when they crumble. So we'll see. We'll see. But uh, it's good to see Austin Riley hitting. Um, Max looks dominant. A little bit worried about Ian Anderson, but... The team's coming around, and I, I think they'll slowly start climbing. Well, you 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 need to you're you're bearing the lead here. You need to apologize to Brian Snicker about his lineup changes because that's all he did this week was shuffle the lineup around, and it's working. So, you, would you like to apologize to your manager? Um, sure, dude. You'll get like a you'll get one of those apologies from me. But like. They also could have just hit better, not because of a lineup. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you're saying, uh, I'm sorry that I'm sorry if I offended you. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That kind of a sorry. Also, let's talk about let's talk about Brian Snicker's hot seat. I think we've we said we were going to update this. Um, obviously, to start the season, he was on a one out of three. If you're if you're doing the, you know, the car seat warmer. Um, Oh, dude, I think he was at a, a, a 0.1 before the season. Right. So it wasn't on. Correct. I think we then said it was at least on a 1 when he start, when they started off so slow, right? Yeah, we were just preheating the seat, just a 1, one right. out of 3, 1.0. I'm going to bump him up to 2, bro. Like you said. What? We're, in, we're into June. We're into June. Uh, there's still a third where that doesn't mean he's going to get fired, but that means Spencer's angry at him. You know what I mean? We're into June. We're still under 500. Uh, no goodwill, dude. You don't get goodwill from me. You know what I mean? You're a coach. So, but rep- what do you? So rep- what would you like Brian Snicker to do about it? What What has he done that you don't approve of? Don't Don't you dare say lineup changes. No, it's not that. Because my <laughs> gripe with him is that he won't get thrown out. He won't walk out of the dugout. I know that's your gripe with him. What What my gripe with him is, and it's not his fault, is that coach is so replaceable. And if you need to shuffle something around, don't shuffle the lineup. Get rid of him. Get rid of a guy. Get rid of the coach. And like, what, whatever. Who, who cares who's making those decisions? They don't matter all that much. All that matters is the players go out and hit. So he's the first one to go in my mind. I would much rather get him rid of him than a backup catcher any day of the week. I don't care who's in the dugout. So I'm putting him on two. All right, I got him at a 1.69 level. Um, this is like a really, really nice car. So it has just like thousands of different alternatives like, in the nice. middle. It's not just one, two, and three. Uh, 1.69, because he won't get thrown out of a ball game. 
Um, I, I will say this. It's interesting to think about. If, if something did happen to Brian Snicker, I mean, <laughs> I don't know why my mind went here, but like, if something happened where he couldn't manage, but he also didn't get fired, like if Brian Snicker like has an off the field issue, imagine if Brian Snicker like, what if Brian Snicker was the one sending dick pics or something like that? Like if something, <laughs> <laughs> like if something like that happens, it's crazy to think the Braves in their dugout have so many assistant coaches that would not only be like serviceable managers, but they would be like really high up on a lot of other teams lists in terms of managers. Walt Weiss, former manager, former Braves player, Ron Washington, obviously like one of the most respected people in the whole game. So that is interesting. It's not like there aren't other options over there. Maybe that's why Snicker doesn't want to get thrown out because he's scared he'll get like Wally pipped. Yeah, <laughs> I like I like that take. I like that take. Um, I think Brian Snicker is such a baseball guy and such a lifer that if he was gonna send a dick pic, he would include some kind of baseball pun in the caption. You know what I mean? Like, what do you think of my bat or something like that? You know what I mean? <laughs> I like that. Hey, yeah. Hey, choke up. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, but, all right, uh, a few few more quick notes on the Bravos. Um, Kenny, Michael Harris called up one of their top prospects. He was called up straight from Double A Saturday morning. Um, they eight, had yeah. to, They got rid of uh, Travis Demerit, um, who started hot. He had the Pablo Sandoval season. It seems like he started hot, was pinch hitter extraordinaire. Uh, then went into like an O for thirty nine slump. Yeah. Uh, so they had to send him down, but I think them calling up Michael Harris tells you, I think it tells you a couple of things. It tells you a, what they think about Drew Waters right now and what, you know, what their philosophy is with him, uh, for Harris to bypass him and jump from two a all the way to the bigs. And it also tells you that I think this is now an option for the Braves as opposed to last season. This is, they are going to be willing, I think, to call up top prospects if they need them for stretches. Um, right. So if Adam Duvall starts hitting and Michael Harris isn't playing every day, I don't see where they would have a problem sending them back down. Um, sort of like Christian Pache um, a couple of years ago, like they're going to do that. So that's encouraging to me. Um, and I'll let you, I'll let you speak on that if you want Spencer, but also another note here, William Contreras, I think has been a real bright spot. His ability to not just play catcher and to be able to play left field once or twice a week. Um, if they need him as a, and also the DH once or twice a week has been awesome for the Braves to have his bat and Dargo's bat. Travis Dargo, go, 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 go. Well, yeah, the, both of those bats in the lineup have been sick. Let's, let's not act like he's been like great in left field though. I mean, no, 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 he hasn't, but he's, he's been, been tough. About defense. Yeah, he's been, he's been, well, if that's the case, then just throw anybody out there. You know what I mean? Like just throw anybody. They do. They throw Marcelo Zuna out there. He is anybody in outfield. True. True, uh, but that's all. Michael Harris is nasty, though, dude. He is nasty. He's a great that player. flexibility that he gives you isn't that. Play- I mean, it's awesome that you can find ways to get his bat in the lineup. I guess, but he is absolutely just being ball. a backup catcher, just like playing yeah. once a week is what well, I. Well, they have, they don't have anybody. He's hitting better than pretty much anybody else down the yeah. lineup. Awesome. Yeah. So they they have to find ways to get him in. Um, Long term. What, what do you think of Michael Harris, though? I want to know your thoughts on it because, like, he's not one of the guys that people have been the last five years talking about in the Braves prospect system. He's been like last fifteen to eighteen months. People have been real hyped about him. 
Yeah. This is a lot of people's first look at him in real life. Like, he looks the like, part. Uh, everyone, everything that I've heard about him is that he's a, a plus defender, and that's what he's going to hang his hat on. Um, plus speed, too. Plus speed, yeah. too. He's a speed guy. That's what he's going to hang his hat on in the MLB. Um, not a lot of power. Um, so, I mean, I guess if that gets you going, like, yeah, it does for me. I think Michael Harris is a really good player. And I said it last year. I think he's better than Drew Waters and will be better than Drew Waters. Yeah, I, I hope. I mean, I I hope he's a good player for sure. Um, I just – the light hitting center fielder is kind of going the way of the Buffalo, you know, in terms of – Agreed. Well, it's, it's, still, it's still very important to have that defense in center field, but your outfielders have got to hit home runs for the most part. Like, you have to. Uh because most of the time you got a light hitting shortstop outside of the top four or five guys in the league, um, and you just can't have that many people that don't have pop in the lineup anymore. So uh, if Dansby Swanson's hitting twenty plus home runs, straight up, go for it. But if if that's not going to be the case, then uh, the Braves are going to be in trouble. Um, if he's your everyday center fielder, um, but yeah, we'll see, man. I I think he's going to be a good player as well. Uh, it's just fit will matter a whole lot in his career if he's not going to hit 20 jacks, you know. Yeah, the fit counts. The fit does count. A lot of stuff, uh, we can move away from the Braves now if you're ready. I wanted to talk about Tommy Pham and uh, Jock Peterson, former Brave. Yeah, player feuds are all the way back in baseball. Um, So there was at first, there was Tim Anderson versus Josh Donaldson. We're not going to break that down. That's sort of old news by now. Both of those guys, by the way, Tim Anderson, Josh Donaldson, both on the injured list. Um, and then a couple of days later, we had potentially one of the greatest baseball feuds of all time with Jock Peterson versus Tommy Pham, uh, two members of the same fantasy football league last year who just <laughs> – this is just such a great story. Uh, first, John Carr, realtor, the number one realtor in the world. John Carr, 912-228-0916. 912-228-0916. Call him if you want to buy or sell real estate in the area or if you just want to learn more about the market. John is your guy. Um, he's been a loyal sponsor to us. So you guys uh, help yourselves out by calling him if you're interested in the real estate market um, in this area. John is killing it with Seaport Real Estate um, and he's been supporting us. So you guys help support him. Call him 912-228-0916. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well. Uh, Spencer, let's, uh, I guess, quickly recap. Jock Peterson and Tommy Pham in the same fantasy football league last year, uh, last week, Tommy Pham uh, playing for the Padres during pregame warmups is running the track or not playing for the Padres, playing for the Reds and is running the warning track before the Reds play the Giants. Walks up to Jock Peterson, basically says, uh, hey, you remember, remember I disputed in fantasy football? Uh, Remember that group message that we were both in? And then bitch slaps him. <laughs> Outright slaps him before the game in the, in the outfield. Um, there's a little, like, scrum there in the outfield during batting practice, not even during the game. Um, yeah. And then Tommy Pham sits out the game, gets suspended a game. Jock Peterson then. Should we throw this audio in of Jock Peterson, his, res- yeah. his explanation of what happened? Yeah, for sure. Listen to how calm – and uh, and matter of fact, this is to Jock Peterson. It's as if he's saying, "Fantasy football got in the way." Like everyone understands. Here's Jock Peterson's explanation of it. We were in a fantasy fantasy league together. 
uh, I put somebody, a player, on the injured reserve when they were listed as out and um, added another player. Uh, and then um, uh, there was a text message in the group saying that I was cheating uh, because I was stashing players on my bench. And then, uh, I don't know, I looked up the rules and sent a screenshot of the rules, how it says that when a player is ruled out, you're allowed to put him on the IR. And uh, that's all I was doing. And then uh, it just so happened that he had a player, uh, Jeff Wilson, who was out. And he had him on the IR. And I said, you literally have the same thing on your team, on your bench. And then I guess he was in two leagues, and in one of them he was on the IR, and one of them he wasn't. So maybe that was a confusion. But on the ESPN league we were in, it, it was listed as out. So it's like it feels very similar to what I did. Uh, and that was basically all of it. There's not much more to it. Yeah, so that's about as plain and as matter-of-fact as it gets, Spencer. The greatest baseball feud of all time, question mark? Um, yeah, there's not a, there's not a, <laughs> I can't, like, it's number so good. It's... to mind immediately other, uh, other than, like, the roof and door door and, uh. Oh, yeah, Jose Bautista and, uh, yeah. roof and door. Bro, how hilarious. Oh, two bitch slaps in one year. Two famous bitch slaps in one year. You know what I mean? Is this the year of the bitch slap? Question mark? Ooh, I haven't seen that. Yeah. Damn, Jock Peterson and Chris Rock need to have a podcast called, uh, like, Slapped Around or something. Yeah. <laughs> surviving, surviving bitch laughs. <laughs> Bro. I mean, what can a you say? Con- a true crime podcast. Who's never wanted to slap somebody over something in fantasy football? Oh, dude, the most relatable thing of all time. Yeah, and, and it all came back to and like the next day, John Peterson showing like his receipts from the group message, like showing reporters. This is the screenshot that I sent. That's what sent Tommy Pham over the edge was was the gloating about it in the group message. Everyone can relate to that who's ever played fantasy football. Hilarious! I didn't see those screenshots. I just heard the audio. Oh, dude, you should look those. Up. Wait till you see that. <laughs> so I funny. Will. I mean, I can imagine wanting to slap Jock Peterson. He seems super cocky. But actually doing yeah. it, it seems a little immature, I guess. I don't know. But they're baseball players, dude. They don't got it. Like, missing three game checks doesn't matter to that guy. Like, whatever. You know what True. I mean? True. He basically just paid, like, $100,000 to slap somebody. <laughs> so good, bro. It's the story baseball needed. Yeah. No, I'm with uh, it. Other elsewhere in the baseball world, Spencer Georgia Southern hosting your regional for the first time ever uh, in Statesboro this weekend. Um, they are, I think, the 16th overall seed, um, but they are really, really, really good. 40 plus wins um, on the year. Top, I think they're like top eight in in RPI, maybe top tw- at least top 12 um, in RPI. Um, and their coach Rodney Hinnon has been there for a long time. They have a lot of guys that are you know, older and more experienced, but I guess all of college baseball has that because of the COVID stuff. Um, What was troublesome was that they've now lost, they went to the Sunbelt Conference title game 
Um, and they were going to host, I believe they were going to host the regional as long as they made it to the conference title game. They didn't have to win it to get in as in years past. I mean, in years past, they had to win to get into the tournament. This year, they were going to host even if they didn't win it. So that's how locked in they were to the tournament. Yeah. But, dude, they've never won a Sunbelt comp- Conference tournament championship, and they've been to the championship game, Spencer, six times. Wow. So, so that's why that's why you provoked the fan base on Twitter then. So when the tournament started, I tweeted, <laughs> I, I tweeted, I said, the tweet was, start chirping about hosting a regional when you win the conference tournament. Carts and horses. That was the tweet. Of course. And naturally, because the entire fan base got pissed at you immediately. I got, I got ratioed badly, bro. But I think it was misunderstood, like a lot of things on Twitter. I was not saying that they needed to win the tournament in order to host. You'd have to be a dumbo to think that. There was a lot of – I mean, I did think that. I'll, I'll, I'll take that back. I thought that last week. Right. But when I tweeted it out, it was already, there was already like plenty of evidence out there that Georgia Southern was going to host as long as they won a game and, you know, at least won two games maybe in the conference tournament. They did that. But I was just saying, like, man, you got your hands full trying to win the conference that you never can win. Maybe focus on that instead of worrying about if you're going to host a regional or not. I valued a conference championship over hosting a regional because right now, if Georgia Southern, they get to host a regional, but if they get eliminated, this weekend in this double elimination four team regional, they will have zero championships on the season. Right. You will have one nothing. If you win your <laughs> conference, that's hanging something. You won the conference tournament. Everyone would always and forever look back to 2022. You won the title. But Georgia and Southern fans, I mean, are just relentless. All that's Twitter. well and good. All that's well and good. But I believe you never said this. I believe that you like to piss off Georgia Southern fans. I, I think you like actually like it, even if you don't admit it to yourself. Yeah, you maybe. enjoy pissing bros off. So Yeah, maybe. I mean, they're easy to piss off. Um, oh, yeah. They're so impassioned as a fan base and, like, so defensive. A lot of and, them think that I don't like Georgia Southern, and it's really quite the opposite. Like, I watched every game of the championship game when Georgia Southern was winning 5 to nothing, Spencer. They were winning five to nothing in the championship game and they blew it again. And so I'm watching the game. I want Georgia Southern to win when they play every single time. And so it's frustrating and it pisses me off when they blow leads like that. So I vent on Twitter sometimes, you know, I'm not covering the team anymore. I'm not like reporting on the team. I tweet whatever I want. Um, I don't know. It's just always like a lot of fans uh, of not just Georgia Southern baseball, but Georgia Southern football, like they, it's just like they want to see things in a rose-colored lens, whereas like a lot of other fan bases will be too hard on their team. They'll be too critical of the right. team. I don't think it was asking too much to to win the conference. Well, they're they're used to other media personalities in Savannah being like, "Oh, what a good year! Oh, that was such a you know what an important game. what an important thing to host a regional." Yeah, who gives a that, shit, bro. man? If you don't win, who gives yeah, a shit? Pretty- Bring home wins, bro. That's all we care about. We're changing the culture down here. I'm into changing culture. You know what I mean? (laughs) Well, good luck, bro. Don't do it on Twitter. But, yeah, I got ratioed. I got humbled a little bit. I mean, that's part of it. 
Uh, that's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to delete any of the tweets. I don't think you got humbled. I think you're going to do it again. Well, I will. But I mean, yeah. I got ratioed for sure. There's like yeah. five replies instantly with zero likes and zero retweets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go there throw a like and a retweet and just say, fuck Georgia Southern's fan base. And that's yeah, all I'm going to Yeah, you won't. Yes, I will. Word of God, even though my sweet Aunt Nancy is on Twitter and she'll see it, I'll still do it. Uh, let's wrap up. The people are waiting for our top four draft. Top four worst movies. Uh, quickly, some updates. Spencer, Celebrity Death of the Week. R.I.P. Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta. R.I.P. Any thoughts? Goodfellas? Eight Men uh, Out? And Goodfellas. Field of Dreams. People forget about Field of Dreams. Oh, yeah. Um, I said Eight Men Out. It's Field of Dreams. Yeah. I uh, I want to say he was a bad guy in like a Jim Carrey movie that's notable to me. I can't think of it off the top, but... Yeah, awesome actor. Goodfellas, one of the greatest movies of all time. I think it's literally in Congress, Library of Congress. <laughs> I thought, okay, I thought you meant Congress had declared it one of the, quote, one of the greatest movies of all time. Well, no, they so they, they put stuff in the Library of Con- Congress when it's, uh, yeah. like, important. Or, that's when know. it becomes, that's when it becomes, like, officially part of, his like, historical. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Um, yeah. Other non-sports notes. Spencer still has to caddy for Travis because you lost the bracket challenge game. We're now about to enter the month of June. Spencer, you still haven't caddied for me. Thoughts? Right. Well, we were supposed to do it this past Monday, and I had the C word, so it's We've all good. We've supposed to do it several past Mondays. Yeah, but we'll we'll get it done. Huh. Obviously not next Monday, but maybe the Monday after that. We'll see. We'll see how I'm huh. feeling. Um, all right, one more before the top four draft podcast updates. Uh, we talked this week for season seven, um, which will be what three weeks. Basically, the end of June, we'll start season seven of HGP. We're right. trying, um, we're efforting, and we're trying to work out a way where, where you and I can get back in studio and back together in person to record these. Just because I think we both agree and we feel like that it's a, just a better product when we're together and we can feed off of each other and interact with each other. I don't the better really, product's more fun. Uh, the listener clearly likes it more. It's just it's just the right thing. Why do you say clearly? Have people have people said stuff to you about us not being in studio? Um like lightly, but I mean not like heavy criticism, no. I mean people still listen, so it's not that well, What do they say though? This is the trust tree. You can speak honestly here. Um they just say when are you guys gonna get back in studio? Something like that, you know what I mean? Oh okay. It's not like, heavy, like what, I said, light stuff. What do you do? What do you say? Uh, I'll put it on the dock. Um, no, I usually go into like a 15-minute conversation about how we're going to try and get back in studio. <laughs> yeah, you start by sh- talking about that, and then you end up by saying, and that's why Steph Curry's better than Magic Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, top four draft. Top four draft. Yeah, the stop stalling, four, dude. The top four Worst movies of all time. I like this idea of the top four worst. Um, Spencer, before we do it, though, next week, I guess we're going to skip a top four draft, or I might I might have somebody guest draft for you because you'll be, uh, what, on vacation next week? Yeah, I'll be in the Caribbean, dude. That's sick, bro. Must be nice. Yep, it is nice. Some people got to stay behind and record a podcast. <laughs> As if that's the reason why I'm not going to the Caribbean with you. Yeah, chill. Uh, first overall pick, 
Top four worst movies. One one. Um, Open Water. Open Water is the is my is my worst movie of all time. Um, the whole time you're just sitting there wondering, well, I can't turn this off because surely there's a shark coming. Surely there's a shark bite coming. Uh, surely I'm not sitting here watching the screen bob up and down the whole time um, just to watch people float around. Um, they can't all die by way of floating off or floating. Um, I believe one person in open water dies by just simply drowning, which, right. as we know, is nearly impossible to do. You can't, like, make yourself swim down and die. I really like this pick. Uh, so that's my number one, open water, 1-1. One, one. I like that. Uh, one, two. With the second overall pick, I'm going Twilight, the first Twilight movie. Ooh. Uh, yeah, a lot of girls are going to be mad about this one. Uh, I just hated the acting dude and the weird, like, tint that's on the movie the whole time. And right. uh, I don't know, dude. The whole premise of it was just kind of rapey in general. So I'm, I'm going with Twilight. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Um. So I had two on my list. So I wrote down seven just in case that in case you picked a couple of mine. But I, I really don't think you're going to pick any of mine. So that changes up my order. Um, I'm trying to look and see if any of these that you would pick. Uh, all right, I'm going to go second round, first pick. I'm going to go That's My Boy uh, with Adam Sandler and Andy Samberg. No strictly way. because with strictly because with those two actors, you would expect the movie to, at at its very minimum, be average. And boy, was it not that! Um, I believe it has an eleven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Twenty twelve, it came out. Um, here's a quote, Spencer, from the Chicago Sun Times about "That's My Boy." Quote: To say that this is the worst movie of twenty twelve is an insult to the year twenty twelve. End quote. <laughs> So, holy shit, that is a scathing review. That's my boy, the number two worst movie of all time for me. I have a feeling uh, Adam Sandler movies are going to be heavy on this list. Um, That's why I went with that on the second one. I think that was the only one on my list that you potentially could take. I'm going to go Jack and Jill, another Adam Sandler movie. Straight up trash, and I'm sticking to movies that I've actually seen. Um, Me too, me too, me too. So... Jack and Jill, uh, Adam Sandler plays a boy and his sister Jill, who's just like an obnoxious version. Um, it's not funny. Like there, there was no funny moments in the movie. I think I literally turned it like turned it off like three quarters of the way through. It was just trash. Um, Jack and Jill, and that's another like stinker on Rot- all these are going to be really bad on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't sure. think we're gonna have fifty percenters, but Jack and Jill. Yeah, we should have clarified at the top. Definitely only movies that we've seen. I mean, if we were going to do the worst movies of all time, we would just Google which movies had 0%. Oh, dude, I've got to be These have to be bad movies that we've seen, which which is a special kind of of hell. When I've you got an absolute you just wasted banger that you I've got an absolute banger that you're not going to uh you're not going to think of, but go ahead with your third Okay, pick. okay, 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 okay. Um with my third pick. And we're going to do honorable mentions, right? Yeah. Okay, third pick here for me. I'm going to go animated. I got to have an animated. Sausage Party. Uh, Sausage Party is a movie where um, 
all of these famous comedian actors are playing animated food, uh, right. food in, in a grocery store. There is a scene which I think is one of the most all-time cringeworthy scenes uh, where basically all of the food items have a giant orgy, yeah. a sex orgy, and, <laughs> and, they're, and, and, and you recognize the voice. Like you recognize Seth Rogen's voice as like a cucumber having sex with like a head of lettuce or something. Yeah, it's super weird. It's cringeworthy. Uh, it's strange. I, I went and saw that movie in theaters and legitimately walked out, which I have never done before. That's the only film I've ever done that with uh, Sausage Party, number three. Wait, who did you see that with? Um, it, this was a uh, ex-girlfriend. Oh, God. Yeah, her name was Brittany. She sucked. Okay. <laughs> Way to go. Hey, uh, yeah, she did suck. Dude, if you watch that movie with your, like, guy friends, it's cringeworthy enough, but you can leave it on. If you're watching that with, like, a family member or – a girlfriend, it's like, who would ever make a movie out of this? It, like, it would be less awkward to just watch regular porn, just watch regular yeah, sex. Honestly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, straight up. Um, good pick, Trav. I Thanks. didn't think of that one. Um, although I do think that's a better movie than some of the others on this list. That scene in and of itself catapults it up here. So, yep. good job with the sausage party and the, uh, the orgy pick. Um, I'm going to go with my third overall pick, Father Figures. Uh, it's a movie that me and yeah. you watched together. Um, absolutely trash. It was like a B movie throughout, and then it just went – it clearly, like, lost direction or something, and people were like, okay, we've decided this is a shitty movie. We might as well make it Wait, a really shitty I movie. I forgot about this. Is this the movie – explain this to me, the plot. Who's in, who's in this movie? Owen Wilson and uh, and the then guy something from... happens at the end, right? Where you and I like yeah. we're literally like, what the hell? Like, what the fuck are we watching? We're you know, I think we it was like all fake, dude. We're eating sandwiches and just watching this movie. And at the end, <laughs> end, of the, end of the movie, the end of the movie, like Cat Williams ends up to be God or something. Yeah, that's what happens, dude. What yeah. a great pick! What a great yeah. pick! Yeah, <laughs> super weird. Super weird movie. Uh, honestly, worth a watch because it was so strange and like yes. out of left. You do not see it coming. Like none of it. And it was like so absurdist. Uh, so terrible movie, but maybe go see it. Maybe. But maybe. must watch. But must yeah. watch. It's a must watch terrible movie. All right. What's your fourth? Wait, was that the pick that you were like, I have a banger? I've got two bangers, but yes, that's definitely one. Okay. That was the one that you were talking about though. Yeah. All right. My last pick. Um, and then I'll throw out the two other ones um, as my honorable mentions, I guess. I'm going to go yeah. Cloverfield. Cloverfield. Oh. Number, number four, another documentary-style film where you're expecting it to be like, here's the tried-and-true uh, plot for a film like Cloverfield is Godzilla. Work off of yeah. that, show a giant monster or – several giant monsters destroying a really big American city, show people running, um, have a little romance in there with your hero. Uh, and that's it. That's all you got to do. But this Cloverfield did way, way, way too much, uh, produced way, way, way too little. I won tickets to see that in the theater off of a radio station in Savannah. Um, so thank God I didn't have to pay for it. Courtesy of Z102.1. That's a throwback. Um, Dude, Cloverfield. Of course you fall in and, 
you know, try and win stuff on radio stations. You were that guy. You still are that guy. I'm a winner, uh, son. Uh, honorable mention quickly: a thousand words, Eddie Murphy. No, 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 no! You can't do honorable mentions before I've done my last pick. Oh, good point. Good point. Wait, were you going to say that one? No, but still, it's my turn. Okay, okay. I'll I'll cut this part out. <laughs> All right. Just kidding. so with my fourth overall pick. Uh, Going a little left field. This is one of the absolute worst movies of all time. Uh, it's got John Travolta in it. And the only reason I've seen it is because my aunt, who has now passed away, had a copy of it. She was a big John Travolta fan. And I'm not Bobby? sure she ever watched this movie. Uh, it's called Battlefield Earth. And uh, there's some heavy Scientology, uh, you know, innuendo in this movie. It is terrible. He produced it himself. Uh, he was like the executive producer. It's an awful movie. Um, I don't recommend you see it, not even for like kicks. Uh, literally the worst movie I can think of, but Battlefield Earth. I knew you hadn't seen that one, so I, I wasn't worried about it. I put that one last, but trash movie, bro. You definitely won the draft with the father figures pick. That's just such a great, terrible movie. Yeah. What a great picture. That was um, great. Okay, well, honorable mention for me, A Thousand Words, that has Eddie Murphy in it, where he loses his, like, he only has a thousand words left. So you take one of the greatest comedic actors of all time. of all time, Yeah. Uh, notably for his very unique voice and talking style, and you cast him in a movie where he is not allowed to talk. Yeah. Uh, that's tough. Not, not great. Real tough. Uh, and then I also have Blair Witch Project written down. I didn't want to have three documentary-style things in my top four yeah. but the, the ending to that is is you know one of the goat worst endings of all time like one of the you know most disputed and controversial endings to a movie of all time Blair Witch Project and a thousand words those are my honorable mentions I've got one honorable mention and it's the last airbender um mm -hmm. I was such a fan of the tv show growing up like I watched every single episode I've even watched some of them back as a as an adult. It still bangs. Like, it's still a good show. Um, but, dude, this movie, I remember going to see it with one of my best friends in high school. And we were both fans of the show. And we just kept waiting on it. We were like, no, give it time. Give it time. Give it time. Because we were such huge fans of the show, bro. And it was literally awful for every second. There was not one good scene. There wasn't a good action. Like, there wasn't good fighting. None of it. It was terrible. Um but with respect to the show, I didn't want to put it in my top four. So honorable mention. Fair enough. All right. My picks, Open Water, That's My Boy, Sausage Party, Cloverfield. Spencer's picks, Twilight, uh, the first one, right? Yeah. Okay. Twilight one, Jack and Jill, Father Figures, and Battle, Battlefield Earth. That's the top four worst movies draft on Hawkrit's podcast. All right, Spencer, let's wrap up. Uh, we got carried away here, I think. Uh, but I did have to tell you one more thing. We've been challenged. The Hawkrit's podcast has been challenged formally by the Herb Brothers, um, who we will not mention on this podcast. We will not say their name. Uh, we've been challenged by them to a nine-hole golf match uh, for late June. Uh, we're going to play it at Bacon Park National. Uh, I believe the trophy from the bowling match will be present. It will be out there. It will be at stake. Uh, we're going to have to figure out a way to format this. So nine holes, I think a couple of the holes should be alternate shot. Um, a couple of the holes will be best ball. Um, you know, I think a couple of balls we can, a couple of the holes we can do something, you know, funny or crazy. 
Um, but they are both really good. Uh, I think they're better at golf than they were at bowling, Spencer. But I told them we were in. Uh, I think this is the first year hearing about bowling. it. Well, yeah, because you bowled a 70 in the final round. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Couldn't get anything to fall, man. Choked up. Damn it. But you're in for that, right? Late June? Yeah, I'm down for late June. Where do they find you? Get us out of here. At Jadon Sports for me on Twitter. Where do they find you? Find me on Twitter. At Spencer Maddox underscore. Don't you dare forget that underscore. Trav, take us away. Till episode 118. Stay safe. Wash your hands, you filthy animals. Peace. Savannah's premier indoor baseball training facility, SBPA is owned and operated by Ross Howard, and together with instructors who have played college and professional baseball, Ross and SBPA offer customized instruction year-round for baseball and softball players, full-length batting cages, pitching mounds, and a state-of-the-art technology to measure improvement are just a few of the highlights over at the academy. Call Ross at 912-484-5282 and visit the Savannah Baseball Performance Academy on Facebook for programs, teams, camps, and more information about how to take advantage of this great venue. Savannah's only year-round indoor baseball facility, Ross Howard, our guy, give him a call, 912-484-5282. Commercial and residential electrical services that you can trust. Braddy Electric is Savannah's number one electrical services for commercial and residentials since 1970. It's family owned and family operated. Reach them today at 912-233-1561 or 1104 East 35th Street. Braddy Electric, that's two D's, B-R-A-D-D-Y. Five stars on Yelp, five stars on Google reviews, and Savannah's number one electrical servicer since 1970. Call them today, 912-233-1561.